It's often a bit mystifying how brands can go viral overnight. Sometimes they make it big, and other times they crash and burn. Is the road to brand fame and a bump to the bottom line worth the risk? I'm Alexis. And I'm Melissa. And we're just a little obsessed with these marketing moments. So join us as we break down the craziest and the coolest, most random brand stunts and campaigns from how the idea sparked to how the heck they pulled it off or didn't. And of course, will it stick? (laughs) Hey, Alexis. Hey, Melissa. What's going on? Nothing. I'm pumped. We've had a good morning. We worked out good together. Good workout. Ohm workout again. We're just bringing everyone along. This workout is phenomenal. Ready for Punta Mita. Yes, I oh, mean, we're going to Punta Mita. We needed to turn up our abs to level like 100 level today. Up. Yeah, I think we will share more about Ohm Fitness because so many of you have reached out on Instagram and been like, what is this thing? Because one episode we like talked about uh, something and I got a bunch of messages um, it's been a little bit secret, but I recommend that you go on Instagram. Not sure if you heard of it, Instagram. <laughs> and you follow OHM O-H-M, Fitness Studios with an S. OHM Fitness Studios on Instagram. And you'll see like the suit. You'll see we've been doing just workouts out of the founder's house and in his backyard. Because and it's not long term because the studio, the first studio's opening. May 18th-ish, soft opening. But so like the whole experience, but even the half experience for me is like, I am hooked. Yeah, me too. Like the dopamine levels you leave with. I mean, every day I leave there, I am like, I mean, normally I'm that excited, but I am way more excited. I'm like, (laughs) woo, got pep in my step. Totally. Well, we're not talking about fitness today. But I was so just inspired by your last episode on Pride that I did my own little recap research and I'm covering Pride round two, but I changed it up a little bit. Okay, let's hear. So we know that Pride Month, which is June, gives brands an opportunity to express their stance and support for the LGBTQ plus, you know, community and a lot of brands choose to jump on the bandwagon. They advertise, they create products specifically, they usually give back a percentage of sales or do something much bigger, Yeah, which is amazing. But the flip side is there are a lot of brands, just like when we covered the brands and breast cancer episode, like with pink washing, there's a lot of things, there's something called, I think it's called rainbow washing actually, Interesting. with Pride, where brands will just create a product just to literally jump on the bandwagon and sell more product versus, and and they don't give any money. They don't raise any awareness. They're just creating a product that might sell more in June, which is always a major bummer and disappointment. You know, like that's the opposite of the purpose. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Of having a month like to raise awareness. So I'm not going to name any of those brand names because it's just not even worth it. But there are a lot of brands that we know who do that. Yeah. And I hope that in recent years, they're changing their strategy there. It's so interesting. So I was just, sorry, I was reading this, but Nick's brother, I, you know, again, I asked him about like some of these campaigns and he said kind of just that, but he said, what's so interesting is visibility matters in a token type of way. But like, 
all these brands, the community can tell when it's fake, when they're just like putting a rainbow on it or trying to make a stance for this one month. But he's like the brands that really like impact the LBGTQ plus community are the brands that like incorporate the products or their advertising in the same way they do with straight people. Like, so not just showing like gay people or like have to overly talk about it. Like they show, they normalize it. And it's like, that's what goes a long way. And it actually like, he said, when they show us as normal people and family units and a part of the community, like everyone else, it goes so much further, which that really resonated with me because I think there's some brands that are like, again, they're showing the stories, but it's also, I don't want to say it's not normal. It's just so focused on them being gay or this. It's not focused on like... It's selfish. It's selfish. Like yeah. like I thought the kissing campaign for Mercado Libre was so awesome because yeah. it normalized it. It showed like kissing scenes and yeah. it what I mean, it was just so cool. Totally. Yeah, exactly. You totally nailed it. It happens a lot where it is so inauthentic and that's, we ever you see right through that clearly. But if brands did it right, I want to tell you what the opportunity looks like because... According to a recent Forbes article that was written actually by a Forbes writer, because, you know, there's the Forbes, like, contributed content, like, Forbes Council, where you can, like, basically pay to write articles. So I'm always careful about which sources I am looking at. So this is an actual retail reporter. Okay. Her name's Katie Barron. She said the number of LGBTQ plus consumers are predicted to hit 1 billion globally by 2050. So Gallup's 2022 study revealed that 7.1% of Americans already identify as such, like as in that LGBTQ plus community. 57% of that group classifies themselves as bisexual. Importantly, this stat's going to blow your mind, Alexis. 21% of all adult Gen Z Americans now identify as LGBTQ plus. 21%. Wow. Of Gen Z. That's, That's crazy. ages... 10, basically, to I think 25 or 25-ish. Wow. So globally, it's estimated that LGBTQ plus spending is around 3.7 trillion annually. In the US, it's actually the fastest growing minority segment at $1.4 trillion yearly. Wow. And 85% of LGBTQ plus Americans feel corporations should support equality and that would legitimize their brands being involved in the movement. Yeah. So instead of focusing on a campaign for just Pride Month, focus on a way that you can, if you care about that population as a core demographic, focus on a way you can weave into your mission, your company values, some some program, an annual campaign. And yeah. maybe you do something extra during Pride Month to raise awareness, but like Make it a thing you do all the time. So look at the opportunity. It's huge. But I just have to say what kind of bugs me because I feel like why does it have to have a label? I feel like, you know, everyone's not like, let's have straight month or like husband and wife month. It's like, I know it's because it was trans, but when are we going to get to this point where it's like, we don't need the label. It's so common. Like you said, 21%. Like we make such a big deal about it. It's like, I think that's the other thing that drives me nuts. It's like, now it's so normal. Like I don't even blink an eye. I know there's judgments and all that, but when I'm curious, when the society is just going to be like, yeah, I mean, I think talk we're about equality. forever. We're for we're a far, far, far away from there. But I just real quick to your first point, like 
I think that there does need to be a label and we need to be open about it because for so long in history, it was totally unacceptable. Like you couldn't even say it. You could be killed. I mean, think about way, way back. And so like it's important that those people are proud to be that, to label themselves however they choose to be labeled. I just think that there's – it's a dream to get it to a spot where like we we don't have to call anyone anything. We don't – I mean, right, we don't see color. We don't see gender. We don't see – but like I don't – it's in our lifetime. Probably not. Probably not, you know. But I think it's important that the LGBTQ plus population like feels like now is their time. I mean, maybe it'll change because I have to think about it from when our parents were younger and like so much of change with color. Like I don't see color. My kids don't see color. Like it's – so different. Well, I do just today, what I thought I would do was highlight some of the brands that have been early supporters of the LGBTQ plus community, like not just around Pride Month in June, brands that took a stance early before there was even a bandwagon, like when it was a huge risk, because today it's not really a risk. No. So you ready? Ready. Okay. I bet you came across some of these in your research. Okay. The first one is United Colors of Benetton. I did not come across them. Really? Okay. So United Colors of Benetton is a Italian clothing company, but they're a global fashion brand. I mean, I remember going to Europe when I was 16 and seeing the brand and walking in the stores for the first time because where I lived in, even here in Arizona, there was, there's no store. Yeah. But like, I think in the big cities, like, yeah, there's, there was one in Pasadena and in LA, but it was cool. But it was like not common in smaller cities, smaller markets. I remember being so blown away because it was all colorful and just different. And the brand's campaigns have always been different. And the brand has always used its advertising for so much more than an opportunity to sell clothing. They definitely have a rebellious brand voice. Like if that's not their brand archetype, like someone who's super rebellious, I would be shocked because everything they do screams rebel. Yeah. And they illustrate this by producing like really thought-provoking, attention-grabbing ads that always tackle controversial topics. So check out this ad from 1990. 1990, Alexis. Can you describe it? Yeah. It's a blonde woman with an Asian baby and either a – I can't tell how old that man is. It's not a man. It's a woman. A woman. It's a black woman, too. A black woman. Yeah, it is hard to tell, just just to be fair, which I think is even part of the point, actually. So this was during a time in 1990 when homosexual relationships were still not openly discussed at all, especially when it came to brands. They did not talk about it. So this ad, like we said, features a white woman and a black woman, and they seem to be naked and they're wrapped in a blanket. And in the middle, they're holding an Asian baby. Like, clearly the baby's adopted. Yeah. The family looks directly into the lens of the camera, like, just as if they're challenging. Or maybe it's not challenging. It's like, they're just not afraid. Yeah. Right? That's kind of the look you get. And do you know what the reaction was at the time they ran this ad? Oh, people probably freaked out. They lost their shit. Yeah. (laughs) People were shocked. They threatened to boycott the brand. And why? Just because they were showing like an interracial couple and a homosexual family? Like, yes, that's exactly why. Like it just was not done at this time. I know. This also ran ahead of the 1991 Olympics. There was another ad. It featured five colorful condoms in the form of an Olympic rings. And this was meant to take a stance on the importance of safe sex because obviously in the 80s and 90s, like, 
AIDS were a huge, huge thing. concern. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's interesting. What do you think of that ad? That's cool. Isn't it? Yeah. And all you see, like the brand is just a little logo on the right hand side. What is the brand? It's United Colors Benetton. Oh. See, this is a series of ads. Oh, that, it's not a condom ad. Mm-mm. It's for United. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. Then, they're bold. Then there was a third ad during this time that might be the most shocking. I actually want to show you the picture first. And then I want you to see if you, like, because you might not immediately know what it is. Can you describe it? It looks, I mean, it's sad. It looks like a man dying or really sick, his father holding him and his mother holding maybe his sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You like nailed it pretty much. So this ad was actually started as an iconic photograph that was taken in 1990 of a man named David Kirby who lay in a hospital bed dying of AIDS surrounded by his loved ones. It's clearly his dad and his mom and maybe his sister or yeah. something. It's a chilling photo. Yeah, I got, look, my eyes are like... I know, like you have goosebumps. Yeah. If you look in the guy's eyes who's dying, it looks like he's looking into a different universe. Like it looks like he's... It almost looks like he's dead. It does. Yeah. And it was taken by a journalism student named Therese Frere, and it was published for the first time in Life magazine. And then two years later, the photo rights were purchased, I'm assuming. They didn't say that, but there's no way they could use it in an ad if they didn't purchase the rights, by United Colors of Benetton. And they just added their logo, and they ran that as an ad. Because they were making such a strong stance against HIV. Uh, Not against, like, prevention, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And many people were appalled by this. Like I mean, they, it's pretty, they, that one's pretty, sho- that one is way shocking for the brand. Yeah. And I think people were appalled initially because they were like, that's a photograph of someone dying. This brand is taking advantage. But the guy who died, David Kirby, his father, his name was Bill. He said he saw this as a good thing. He said he felt like it was an opportunity to raise more awareness. And he was famously quoted saying, Benetton is not using us. We're using Benetton. Oh, that's cool. I mean, so I think it was shocking and totally different for the times, but they were one of the first companies to use advertising as a way to address social, political, and environmental issues. I mean, they do this constantly. Yeah, that's insane. And I actually haven't seen anything from the brand recently, so I'm just... In doing some research, I found a lot of old campaigns, but there may be an opportunity for a future episode just on them, if they're still even around. Are they? Yeah, they are. Okay. So this is so random, but it just made me think of what you said about the father. I don't know if you remember that it's just so shocking how the public just has to like insert their opinions without like the true knowledge of the story or the why or whatever. Do you remember when Merit at Holmes was our client and they had a sign spinner And it started to rain and it was this guy on the side of the road spinning signs and he was laughing, having so much fun, but he was disabled and people took pictures of him and put it all over and like started like flipping out at Meritage. Like, how could you hire this person? And like, they felt like they were mocking him and the like hundred, I mean, I think there were 5,000 comments on this. I remember. And then the mom commented and called and was like, 
what are you talking about? Meritage has hired my son who has not been able to get a job anywhere and he is having the time of his life. Who cares if it's raining? He would have left if it, he didn't want to be in the rain. He's dancing out there yeah. and People he's making assume. money. And People it was like, assume. they assumed and they like bashed the brand. I mean, social media has taken it to a whole new level, unfortunately. Like if there was social media when this ad came out, uh, in the 90s, I'm sure the brand would have been banned from social yeah. media. I mean, it, it's just crazy how people – I mean, we see it as a company, Alexis. Like, employees can say whatever they want about us on Glassdoor, and we can't do anything. Yeah. It just – it is – it is – Fun. It's a thing, you know? <laughs> but back to the brands and Sorry. to Pride Month. No, it's okay. I mean, you have, you have, that was a great point. Okay, 1994. Ikea. What do you think they did? Oh, my 1994. God. 1994. Like, that's a long time ago. Do you know that's almost 30 years ago? Thanks. I, You're really old. I was like closing my eyes trying to figure out how old I was and where I was. <laughs> I love doing that. Okay. Let me show you this ad real quick. Well, you know, we went to Ikea because uh, we thought it was time for a serious dining room table. And we were slightly different tastes. I mean, Steve's more into country. It, it frightens me, but at the same time, I have compassion. <laughs> We've been together about three years. I met Steve at my sister's wedding. Wayne. I was really impressed with how... Just well-designed, the Ikea furniture was. He's really into craftsmanship. The, these chairs are really sturdy. This table concluded a leaf. A leaf means commitment. staying together, commitment. We've got another leaf waiting when we really start getting along. Okay, first of all, was that really Ikea? That was Ikea in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, it's so funny because... I don't think my parents didn't have any furniture from Ikea, but they had all that like pine armoires and all Everyone that Everyone did in the 90s. Oh my God. So, but I, I thought they were at like an Ashley Home furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ikea? I know. It does not look the same at all. Wow. But what do you think of the commercial? Can you explain it? Yeah, it's interesting. It's like two middle-aged men like going shopping at Ikea, talking about their tastes. One guy is in the country and... One guy's into craftsmanship, and they're trying to decide on a dining room table. <laughs> and it's like, what's so cool about this is this commercial was the first national TV ad to portray a gay couple. Interesting. From Ikea. Wow. I mean, I think it's amazing. And what made this particular spot even more compelling was that it showed a couple like just going about their everyday lives shopping for a dining room table. It wasn't sexualized. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't make a makeout session. It, it was just a nap. like that. It's exactly what Nick's brother said. It felt like so normal. Yes. Like, it, they should be shopping for a dining room table together. Yes, like it, there was no awkwardness. It wasn't. And I have to say, sometimes. I don't want this to sound bad, but like sometimes like when they portray gay people or lesbian people, they have to like go to the extreme the of yeah. like the, the flamboyancy or like totally. certain things. And this is just like so normal. It literally is the most normal couple ever. It could be like any dad, any dad. <laughs> yeah. And they just made it, like you said, a natural part of the campaign. They didn't call anything out about it. They didn't, they didn't put themselves in the spotlight and say like, that we are running a gay ad. It was just, this is part of our storyline for our campaign. And they Love ran it. it. And there was no pomp and circumstance. Like, that was it. But in 1994, do you know how the people reacted, Alexis? Again, bad. Ikea received a ton of angry phone calls, lots of angry letters. People did call for a boycott once again. And there was even a bomb threat. <gasps> what? 
Yeah. like Because of an ad? Because of an ad. People and are psycho. It's crazy to think like how far we've come because like if you can imagine if that ad ran today, no one would blink an eye. But like the fact that nearly 30 years ago they got a bomb threat because they ran that ad is insane. Like you know? you're really that attached to Ikea that you have to like flip out. I mean, that's what I think is the craziness is people, I think that's why they react so adversely is because they feel like they can resonate with the brand. They're obsessed with it. They think the brand has this, shares the same values with them. So they like get excited. And then all of a sudden when a brand does something that's not along with their values, they feel like they're being like broken up with or uh, yeah. they feel really hurt, yeah. which I get, but they have to understand it's a brand that doesn't just appeal to, to one, one person. demographic. Yeah. No, that would be the worst decision ever. And if there are brands that do that, so find those brands. And the head of marketing responded to all this like chaos and it was a great response. They just said, this is just a part of our overall strategy to try to speak directly to all kinds of customers. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Period. There are all kinds of customers. So. Good response. Yeah. I thought Very that was great. Very direct. Sometimes you point. just got to be stir- like straight, straightforward. Yeah. Straightforward and short and sweet. And that's the best thing that you can do. This one is a one that. I'd be shocked if you didn't know about. Okay. Because you love this brand. So in 2007, Ray-Ban came out with its Never Hide campaign. And that was 07. So once again, just remember, we're in 2022. I know as geriatric millennials, we feel like the early 2000s was like five seconds ago, but it wasn't. I feel like it was five seconds ago. I know. I often do as well, but that was about 15 years ago. So they came out with the Never Hide campaign, and it showcased a series of elements in ads all around self-expression. Can you describe this ad, Alexis? Yes. It says Never Hide, and it's two men in a suit holding hands. Well, they're in two suits. Or two suits. (laughs) They're not in one suit. Holding hands. One's like looking off into the distance the other one's kind of looking at the camera, but there is a woman and a man behind them, like with this glare, like mean mugging them. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing? Yes. This ad features two clearly gay men in fashionable business attire, holding hands, and they're walking with confidence. What's weird is there's only one person in that whole ad wearing sunglasses. Did you notice that? So did you notice anything about the era? Yeah. I mean, it's like... I don't even know. It looks like like the the 20s. Yeah, it looks like a long time ago. I think it's meant to be the 40s, and I'll explain why. There's no sunglasses, actually. I don't see any. No, but the one guy in the front is wearing glasses. They're not sunglasses. No. But Ray-Ban does regular glasses, too. Okay, yeah. So, and it has a Ray-Ban logo, and it says, genuine since 1937, under the Ray-Ban logo on the ad. There are these guys walking, holding hands. It looks like it's set in the 1940s, and everyone looking around them is like, what the actual fuck is going on? Looking yeah. at them. And the campaign actually featured a series of seven photographs, all turned into ads that challenge its audience to break from social norms and be comfortable being truly unique. And they really want to illustrate that like Ray-Ban wearers stand out from the crowd and are proud of it. Ooh, I love that. This campaign included magazine ads, online ads, and out of home. And the coolest part is that each of these ads was inspired by an actual story from a loyal Ray-Ban customer. And I mean, they've been in business for, I mean, decades and decades, like over seven decades. So they have lots of stories, right? Cool. The only thing I was unclear on is if the brand like openly solicited these stories 
before the campaign or if these were just stories they had collected over the years. But I want to give you the backstory about this specific picture. So apparently this was the real true story of a reporter and writer named Taylor Mead. And he was a man who never denied like who he was despite the culture of the time. He was an openly gay man arriving in New York in 1942, which was not wow. a thing. Yeah. Like not a thing. And he was this, this picture was, was for him. This, this was his story so of what cool. it was like being open in the forties. And the only indication like in these ads that it's a Ray-Ban ad, like you said, there's not really a lot of like glasses or sunglasses is the Ray-Ban logo in the corner. And the viewer like who sees these ads kind of associates that those who wear Ray-Bans can stand out as individual and they don't need to hide, right? Like that's what Ray-Ban's trying to do. And the key message there is Ray-Ban wearers are individuals. And actually the Taylor Mead advertisement is said to be the first ad to feature a couple that is undeniably homosexual. And I kind of struggled with that because this was 07. Like we saw that United Colors of Benetton and Ikea both had ads in the 90s were openly gay. It looked like they were openly gay. But I mean, a lot of sources say this is the first one that was an ad that featured an undeniably homosexual couple. So they get a lot of credit for that. So the Ray-Ban brand itself is catered to a younger generation who like wants to be kind of cool, hip, trendy. And a 2007 press release for this campaign communicated that the purpose of this was to portray regular guys and girls living their day-to-day lives with authenticity, with the courage to express themselves and their unique individuality, which is the most precious thing we have because the most fashionable thing to be is yourself. That's cool. I, I love know. it. I loved it too. So I was really proud of them, like as a brand. Yeah. Because that was, in 07, that wasn't really a big thing. I love that. The next one is a brand we just recently covered. Okay. Tiffany & Co. Oh, okay. So in 2015, Tiffany & Co. ran an ad campaign called Will You? And this campaign featured real stories of real couples And it also included a gay couple. And this was a big deal, Alexis, because it was the first time that Tiffany & Co. ever put a gay couple in their ad. I was going to say, I would be shocked. In 2015, this was the ad. It took them that long until 2015? 2015. Oh, and look how good looking they are. I know. And obviously, like, Tiffany & Co. is one of the, the world's most iconic jewelry brands. And, but really, like, up until this point... They really had showcased traditional concepts and like traditional ways of love that love is portrayed in all of their campaigns. So this was like a really big move for the brand. It does feel like it took a little too long in my opinion, but the way they did this again is similar to some of the other campaigns we've talked about where they photographed real couples. This was not like actors. It was not models. This was a real New York gay couple that they told their story and photographed. And this ad, despite being an ad that supports the LGBTQ plus community, it fits squarely into the Tiffany like mold. I mean, it's very chic. It has two super attractive men. It's beautiful black and white photography. It's romantic. Like it yeah, still it's fits super in romantic. with yeah. Tiffany. It just is a different story. Yeah. Well, I think it's perfect. Yeah. 
And the future husbands, who I'm sure they're married now because this is 2015, can be seen like sharing that loving moment on the stoop of a brownstone in New York. And the text around it reads, Will you promise to never stop completing my sentences or singing off key, which I'm afraid you do often? And will you let today be the first sentence of one long story that never, ever ends? Oh, that's so cute. Isn't that sweet? The campaign was shot by fashion photographer Peter Lindbergh, and it also featured six other couples. And there weren't other gay couples, but there were other really unique stories. Yeah. The ads in general were meant to broaden Tiffany's portrayals of marriage. For example, like one of the others showed a couple with their child during their wedding, which obviously like is a nod to how the world works today. Like you don't have to be married to have children, right? Like a lot of people get married after they have kids. So they're just showing that like you don't have to go about it just this old school way. Love it. I feel like that's going to be our kids' generation. Yeah. Oh. I feel like there's so many people just having babies and living together and maybe getting married later. Oh, I totally agree. I do think it's a little easier to have kids in a marriage just because it's fucking hard to be a parent. You need a partner. Maybe don't even marry. Just like have a partner. That's fine. Like that can help you raise the kids because shit, it's hard. I agree. Okay. My last one, Unilever. So this one is recent. This is not like an old campaign. Unilever has actually done a lot of really good stuff over the years. But what they did in 2021, I was really impressed with. Okay. Because they wanted to enact real change. They didn't just want to say, sell a product and donate a percentage of sales. They were like, how can we actually make a difference in the United States? So what they did is they pledged to improve the municipal equality index of five cities in the U.S., that were rated amongst the worst in terms of living conditions for LGBTQ plus people. Oh, okay. Like this is crazy. So this was all data driven. So they looked at something called the Municipal Equality Index, MEI, which examines like how inclusive municipal laws, policies, and services are of LGBTQ plus people who like live and work there. So like how easy is it for someone who's not a traditional couple to live and thrive in this city. And what's crazy is the cities picked by Unilever are five of 17 that scored a zero on the index. There were 17 cities. I mean, I hate to say it, but Florida has got to be some of those cities in Florida after this whole like don't say gay ban, like Bill. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine being gay and living in Florida? No. Like your kids but are not so allowed weird to like, like Miami is super gay and I mean, it's I weird. It is super weird. But anyways, places like Los Angeles and New York like scored the maximum like of 100. They're like super gay friendly. Like you will thrive there. Chances yeah. are good, right? So the cities that were chosen were Monroe, Louisiana, Moore, Oklahoma, Clemson, South Carolina, Florence, Alabama, and Southern Missouri. That all makes sense, right? So local organizations received direct support, including Forum for Equality, Freedom Oklahoma, South Carolina Black Pride, the Knights and Orchids Society, and P-Flag Springfield. So they gave money. They created video content to run in these markets. They did a lot of outreach in these markets. Like their goal was to lower hate crime rates, to create safe spaces, to increase access to local services, to fight conversion therapy, HIV decriminalization, youth homelessness, 
and nutritional support for the LGBTQ plus community. That's awesome. I mean, I just, I loved it because it's not maybe as sexy sounding as some of the other campaigns I showed you. But it's like they're making you. a difference. Like they did research to find the markets that were the worst possible. And they're going into those markets and working and hard to And this is not like change. an easy task. Logistically, that's a lot of... They can't just buy an ad or do something and be make it easy. Like this And they is, can't even just give money. No. Like it takes way more than that. And I don't have results of how the first year of the program went, but I'm certainly gonna look into it. Like I'm I was really impressed with that effort. So I would say overall, I mean, you kinda said it at the top of the episode. Like it's really cool to think of how far we've come, but we still have a lot more work to do right? We have a lot of work to do. Some brands are really crushing it in like regards to making real change, making customers feel empowered and raising awareness, but brands can do more. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, you covered some great ones today. I love how real they were. Yeah. That was awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. So I used many sources when writing this episode. You can find the full list on our website, which is willitstickpodcast.com. But a few of the ones that I really enjoyed, The Drum had a really great article from 2021 about the Unilever campaign. Uh, PR News Online had a pride ad anxiety kind of article just about how brands are really getting it wrong and what they can do to get it right. And then actually Adobe like had a really amazing blog about like nine of the most iconic LGBTQ advertising campaigns ever. Awesome. I know. So. So good job. I was like super into these campaigns. Good. So please, please, please leave us a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And again, follow us on Instagram. Tell us what you want to hear about. Comment. Tell us like what campaigns like you were most interested in. And we'll see you later. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.